Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Last week, we talked about the coming kingdom, and we talked about the story wars. I don't know if you recall that. We talked about there's a narrative, and, and Jesus unpacks this reality of what's coming and, and the, the storyline of human history, and there's sort of this, this choice that we have to make of which story are we believing? What are we buying? And today, I want to talk about the clashing kingdom, the clashing kingdom. And this is a word war. I know we've been talking about world wars lately, but this is a word war. And probably like a lot of you, I've been following the Ukraine war uh, daily to see what's going on. And one of the things that I've noticed, and this is a little bit of a grim way to start, okay, is that the Ukrainian army has been able to take out like multiple generals. I think it's possibly up to seven generals that they've been able to take out. And, and the way that they've been able to do this is that uh, because of communication problems, the general is giving an order to, to the, um, the frontline guys, right, the troops, but the communication technologies, the, the, the way that they're doing, it's been interrupted, it's been intercepted, it's been uh, frustrated, and so the general is having to go to the front line and make sure that they get the message, okay, and because of that, they're being exposed and the Ukrainians are able to take out the generals. And, and I was thinking about uh, what we're going to read today. And that's what's going on in the passage. Is that Jesus says, look, look, there's, there's, a, there's a, a word war going on and it's not a deficiency in the word. It's, it's how is it being received? How is it being received? And Jesus says that life and death hang in the balance of how this is received, okay? So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 if you want to go to a copy of scriptures with me. And uh, this is one of the most famous parables. You probably have read this parable. You've probably heard this parable. You've heard preachers preach on this parable. And I'll just let you know that after really diving into it this week, I see this text just a little bit differently. And, and I'll share that with you. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. It says, On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Now, that's, kind of, that's my kind of gig. Like, if I could be sitting on a boat right now and you guys could just be standing out there, like, that would be... Cool, right? Verse three. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. 
Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked it. Still, other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some 60 and some 30 times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. Now, we're going to skip ahead because Jesus unpacks, he gives us the cliff notes, he lets us know what it means. And so in verse 18, he picks up and he says, so listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the what? The kingdom. The word about the kingdom. That's the series we're in, the kingdom of heaven and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. 30 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this parable, and this is in a string of parables all about the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus is wanting them to understand something about the kingdom, something very, very important about the kingdom. And here's the the first thing that I think we need to see, and it's what Jesus is leading with is that the kingdom proceeds from the word of the king. The kingdom proceeds from the word of the king. He talks about the seed, the the word about the kingdom, the word of God. It's it's the telling, the declaring, the passing along, the, the, the preaching, the proclaiming of the message about Jesus, what we call the gospel. It's the inspired word of God. This whole thing is the word of God, inspired by him in the kingdom of God. It actually proceeds from the word. Now, here's why I think that's important for us to remember. In our time, kingdom works are easy to celebrate, right? Digging wells, awesome, right? Caring for poor, awesome. Caring for widows, yes, right? Providing for the orphan, yes, that's awesome. But when you start talking about the kingdom word, there's just sort of this, maybe uh, an unspoken pressure that believers feel, okay, that 
it's cool to do all the good stuff, be loving, be kind, do good works, but let's not talk about the word part. You, you ever felt that before, right? You feel it maybe in the workplace. You feel it uh, with um, people that you're interacting with in the public places. There's, there's a sense in you of like, works great. But word, let's not talk about that. Did you know the apostles, the 12 apostles, all but one of them were killed. They were, they were martyred. And it wasn't because they were giving food to widows and orphans and poor people. Do you know why they got killed? They were heralding what? A word. We have a word-based kingdom. And Jesus says that how that word is received will actually produce works. It will produce good fruit, right? Which means this, the good works that we're seeing today, which are wonderful all over the globe, we're seeing amazing things happening. We get to be a part of it as a church. It's, it's beautiful. The works that we're seeing today are because of the word that was received yesterday. Does that make sense? Something came in, it produced a change, and it grew into something that, that created fruit. And now people who, who maybe don't even know Jesus are benefiting from the good works produced by people who received the word yesterday. And here's the problem, is if we do lots of great works, but we don't talk about the word, guess what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow's fruit depends on who can receive the word today. Okay, let's take that a little bit further. I'm a parent of three children. And guess what? If my children, if, if, if I, and this is true, if I sincerely want more than anything my children to know Jesus and to walk with God because if they do that, then all the other stuff that I could worry about will actually probably take care of itself because their heart's going to be in the right place with God and, and they'll find their way with him, right? And we'll be able to help counsel them. But if, if that's what I really, really want for them more than anything, right? I have to be the kind of person who says, if I want that fruit in their life, I need to make sure that kingdom word is getting in. And I'm busy. Parents, you know, I've got kids all over the place doing all kinds of things, after school, before school, sports, and it's, it would be so easy for me to not make it a priority to get them in the church, in the word, but we, we need our children to hear the word. The next generation needs the word that's why I love what our kids' ministry does in the back because they're bringing the Bible, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus onto hearts. And guess what? Tomorrow, tomorrow, there's fruit that, we, that will be born because of the word that's planted today. The kingdom proceeds from the word. Now, this is a stretch for us as Americans because our presidents say all kinds of things, right? Our last president had a Twitter account. He said all kinds of things. <laughs> the current president just got in trouble this past week for saying something. And guess what? We're, our system is that a president can say stuff 
And it doesn't necessarily happen, right? But in a kingdom, the king is absolutely, um, his word, it's, it's like being the king himself. His word legislates, it has authority, it has power. And, and we see this in the scriptures. In John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the capital W word. And the word was with God and the word was God. God and his word are inseparable. Jesus is called the word because it says the word, right? It, it made its dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. And so when we talk about the word of God, we have to understand that he is, it's not like he's out there and he's doing all this great stuff and then he just like, here's a book, you should follow it maybe. No, it's like, no, no. It's like he's laced into the words and pages of this living word and he is inseparable from his word. In Isaiah 55, there's a passage that you probably have heard quoted Verse 11, it says, um, my word that comes from my mouth, this is God speaking, will not return to me empty or void, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Meaning this word war is not a deficiency in the word. The word is going to do its work. The, the war is that there's a conflict, there's a clashing of kingdoms in how the word is received, how it's received. Did you catch the word that was repeated in Jesus's explanation of the parable? There's a word that he used over and over and over again. It's the word here, here. Over and over again, he talks about hearing. The second point that we need to understand is that the kingdom advances through hearing and responding to God's word. I'll say that again. The kingdom advances through hearing and responding to God's word. Every move of God that's ever happened on planet Earth has involved, has been characterized by people hearing and responding to the word of God. Read the book of Acts. How did the church grow and how did this kingdom move and, and, and how did it happen and, and how did it go from like 300 to 3 million or whatever? It's just like, how did this thing blow up? Well, it was people telling the story, the gospel of Jesus. They were preaching it publicly. They were sharing it individually. It was the word of God being responded to, being heard. Every move of God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the what? Do y'all know what, it's, what he says about? It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, meaning this word has a power all its own. And Jesus uses the four soils to illustrate four ways that people hear and respond to God's word. And he, he, he illustrates the clashing kingdom. Now, let's just look at those and make sure you understand what I'm saying. The first kind of soil is what? Along the path. 
He talks about it in verse 19 of his explanation that this is the person who hears, but they don't understand. Husbands, um, you're probably more guilty of this than your wives. Wives, you might be a little bit guilty of this, but let me just pick on the husbands because I'm a man and that's safe, okay? Um, So you're on the couch. Maybe there's a show on. And your wife starts talking to you. And at the end, you say what? Uh Uh-huh. Right? Now, sound came out of these vibrations on her vocal cords and came through her lips. Words were formed. They traveled through the air. It's amazing. The vibrations went through the air, hit your ear on the couch, and you said, "Uh uh-huh. And then she asks you, what do you think about that? And then what do you do? You freak out inside. Why? Because you have no idea what she just said. Vibrations came into your ear, but you didn't hear it. You heard it, but you didn't listen. Amen. Anybody, any husbands in the room? Any husbands in the room? Amen. Amen. Women. You need to have grace. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's shift the message today. Let's talk about grace. He's got a lot going on. There's a lot going on up here. It may not look like it, but there's a lot going on up here, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and he's saying that there's people that hear it, but they don't hear it. It comes in, but they don't understand. And, and, and he uses the, the picture of a path. And you know, a path would just be like trampled. It's, it's compacted. Or even in 300 BC, they, the Romans were already building roads out of like primitive concrete and stone and mortar and all that kind of stuff. And so the seed, like it has nowhere to go. There's, there's no soil for it to get into. And so here's what he says. This is so fascinating to me that there is a spiritual clash of kingdoms in the proclamation of the word, when it doesn't find a place, he says, what happens? Satan comes and snatches it away. What? In Luke 8, the same telling of the same part, he says, the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they may not believe and be saved. Which means that this word is spiritually contested. And I touched on this last week, but Jesus over and over has says, like, look, there's more going on here than you guys can see, than you know. And and when you're speaking this word of my kingdom, there's actually, there's a spiritual battle going on immediately. And And Satan is trying to pull words out of people's hearts. And that's the thing. He snatches it away from their hearts. It's an attack on the core of their being. And all that's happening as you're sharing the word. Paul says in another place that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It it, it is spiritually contested. The second kind of soil is the rocky ground. And he says that this person, they hear the word and they're like, yes, immediately with joy. Amen. I'm in. I believe. 
but it's shallow. That underneath the soil, and I, I used to live in the hill country, and there's rocks everywhere, and, and we would see this all the time. It's like there would be this much soil. I, um, I tried to, to, to put a fence in on my house, and I had, to, I had to rent a jackhammer, okay? And it took me like three weeks to do it, okay? It was ridiculous. I moved to Houston, and I, I did this with the post hole digger, and I was like, this is amazing, right? It's the promised land. When you are in the hill country, you know what I'm talking about. It's like there's literally rock underneath all the soil, and, and the, the plant finds no place to grow. The, the, the roots have, have nowhere to go, and you've seen this around town. When there's a big windstorm, and you know, the developers put in a brand new tree, right? What happens to the tree after the windstorm, right? It just blows right over because... The roots have nowhere to, they've not gone anywhere yet. There's nowhere for it to go. And inside of us, there can be an inner resistance. It's like there's soil and there's a, re a receptivity, but then there's an inner resistance where we're like, but I'm not sure about that part. I mean, I love Jesus and I love that God is love and that, that's cool with me. But this other stuff, I, I'm not sure. I, and is this really the word of God? And maybe it's not. And, and there's this, this resistance inside of us. It, and it's like it can only go so far. And, and there's, um, there's an internal conflict going on. So if the first soil was a clashing of the kingdom of darkness, this is a, a clashing of the kingdom of our own hearts our own sin nature, our, our own unbelief. And there's a clash going on within our own hearts around the word of God. And, and there's, he says that persecution or distress comes. Luke calls it a time of testing. You ever been through a time of testing before? Right? And the person falls away. The one that was like, I believe. Is like, I don't think I believe anymore. By the way, testing in the Bible is not a multiple choice quiz on a Scantron. It's the process of proving the integrity, strength, purity, and durability of something. Proverbs 17 says, the crucible for silver, for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. And God will allow and will sovereignly bring times of testing into our lives, not because he's mean, not because he hates us, but because he loves us and he's trying to bring gold out. He wants to see what's in us. Peter, in 1 Peter 7, 1, 7, says that the proven character of your faith, the proven, the tested character of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. And so for that rocky soil, the, the inner conflict with the message and the outward pressure is just too much. The third soil among thorns. Oh gosh, this one. This is the person, that this, this, this is the soil that's receptive to the word. I mean, there's some soil there for the word to get into, and it's, it's, not, it's growing in there. 
And that's good. But there's some other stuff growing in there too. He says, it's the worries of this age. Now, that word worries is, is also translated as cares or anxieties. The worries of this age, the anxieties of this age are growing in the place where the faith is growing and it's choking out the faith. Or it is the deceitfulness of wealth. That is also translated as the pleasures of wealth, where it's literally, it's, a deceitfulness is something that obscures the truth. It, it, it tries to um, kind of pervert the truth. It obscures it in a way that you just can't really see it because you're just, you're just enjoying so much and all the pleasures and, and all the pursuits of life that, that it chokes out the word. It's, it's growing in the same soil. And this is a clash of the kingdom of the world. Because everybody says, right, you should pursue this. You should go after that. You should try to get that. You should, you should look out for number one. And Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life must lose it. Right? Take up your cross and follow me. Give away your things. You'll have treasure in heaven. We're like, that's not where we're headed here, Jesus. Or he says, or when everyone else in the world says, freak out, you should worry, you should stress out. You should be really stressed right now. And Jesus says, how many of you have added a single moment to your lifespan by worrying? Anyone? No? Right? Trust me, your father loves you. He cares for you. Trust me. And so we, we have this clash of the kingdom of the world, and this word of the kingdom is counter-cultural. It, it's calling us to swim in a, in a different direction than the rest of humanity. It's a word war. And for those among thorns, it's the most miserable form of Christianity. It really is. To be torn between two stories is so miserable. Lastly, the fourth soil. It's good ground. In, in, in Luke's telling of the story, he, he says this about the ground. They, they hear the word with an honest and good heart holding on to it. I'll say that again. They hear the word with an honest and good heart holding on to it, and by enduring, they produce fruit. And he's saying that, look, it's not only were they receptive, and not only did they receive it, and they're like, I'm in, I believe Jesus all the way, right? They're, that's, they're there, but they hold on to it, and they endure, and it's like they just keep showing back up. They keep sticking to it. They keep persevering. They keep enduring. They, they go through trial. They go through testing, and they come back, and they say, Jesus, you're it for me. They, 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 they walk through illness or sickness or loss or grief, and they're like, I'm a little bit angry with you, but Jesus, you're still it for me. 
You're the one for me. And they keep coming back and they endure and they stick to it. And he says, they yield a harvest of 30, 60, or 100-fold. Now, this doesn't make sense to us because we're not farmers, but a good harvest would have been five times what was sown in the natural. Five would be great. Ten would be like, whoo, great year. Ten times, it's like, holy smokes, that was an amazing year. What a yield. Ten would have been extraordinary in the natural. And so Jesus is talking about something that is over and above natural. It's what we call supernatural fruit bearing. 30, 60, 100 fold. What does it mean to bear fruit? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It's the, it's the impact of your life on other people. It's the good things that come out of you when you're with other people. It's, it's fruit. Jesus says, it's, the ROI is insane on this. Like, it's amazing. Super natural yield. So the, the kingdom proceeds from the word of the king. The advancement of the kingdom, it, it, it's, it comes through hearing and responding to the word of the king. And I was thinking this week, um, you probably do this when you drive around our area, what is it that makes you think of that in a neighborhood is established when you're driving around? If you're like me, you, you probably see like the, the fact that there's no construction vehicles there, right? That's a tip off. Okay, it's established. It's fully built out. You, you probably see the age of the homes and you're like, yeah, you know, it's, it's been there for a while. But what you really notice is the size of the trees, right? When you go into a new neighborhood and every tree is like six feet tall, it's a little bit depressing, Right? But when you start to see, like, in 30 years, and you're like, wow. Now, it would be weird. It would be really weird to go into a 30-year-old neighborhood and see a bunch of six-foot-tall trees, right? It, it would be unnatural. And I want you to think about the parable this way. The seed... The word of God is sown into your inner man. I can't see the inner man in you. Nobody can. Nobody can see what's going on inside your heart right now, inside of your mind, inside of your soul. We, we just can't, unless you have some cool spiritual gift that I don't have. But what I can see is what's above the soil. And Jesus says, look, when this thing takes root in you, not only is there going to be this grounded, rooted, and grounded in the faith as you've been taught, but there's, there's going to be, your, your branches are going to spread out. You're going to bear fruit. You're, you're going to reach to things that you, like, you can't fathom right now. You're, you're going to see people in the shade of your life that you're just like, I, there's no way I could have ever done that. Because the word was growing inside of you. You're just soil, but the word 
has power. And so we have to ask, what's above the soil? What's happening? Am I seeing this? Am I seeing my life spread out? Am I seeing the branches go? Am I seeing the, the growth? What's above the soil? And here's where I began to see the, the parable a little bit differently. I always thought about it this way, that you go out and you share the gospel, and there's four kinds of people out there that are going to hear it, and at best, 25% of them will, will respond positively. That's how I used to hear it. But Jesus, he actually applies it just a little bit differently. In uh, Luke chapter 8, at the end of the same parable, he, he says something to the disciples, and he says this, therefore, take care how you listen. So I thought it was about four people out there but Jesus just geolocated the clash of the kingdom to right here. Does that make sense? He says, look, this word is power. It will grow. Side note, go on YouTube and look up time-lapse uh, videos for seeds that grow into plants. It will blow your mind. If you don't believe in God, watch a time-lapse video of a seed growing and you will believe in God. Like, it is just like, how does that even work? I don't even understand it. It's amazing, okay? It's, it's so, this, this word has power. It just grows, and I don't even know how it grows, right? It just, it just does, but it's not that there's four people out there. There's four ways that I, Chris Kipp, can hear and respond to the word of God. One way is that I could be so self-reliant and so self-satisfied that I hear it, but I don't hear it. Another way is that I could love Jesus, but not like parts of the whole Jesus thing. And I could resist the word. And when the pressure outside gets hot enough, I will fold. Or I could sin sincerely believe in Christ and yet be so entangled in worry and anxiety in worldly pursuits that my faith is choked out. I could be a 30-year-old six-foot-tall tree. But there's a better way. You and I, we could actually choose how we hear. Because Jesus says this, pay attention to how you pay attention to the word of the kingdom. Take care how you listen. Pay attention to how you pay attention to the word of the kingdom. There's a war going on. The message from the commander has been sent. And you're over here. And there's this space in between is embattled. There's spiritual battle. There's internal battle. There's the, the clash of the world. And you need to pay attention to how you pay attention to the word of God. So let's get practical. How do we hear the word of God? Well, one way is this right here. The priest. 
preaching and teaching of God's word in the assembled church. The context of, of what Jesus is saying is that a large crowd was gathering. Why were they there? They wanted him to teach them, to preach. And so it's a passage about preaching. And I think that... Um, in our church world, I love the casualness because I will wear a, a suit as least often as possible. Amen? Okay? I wore one on Friday night. If I don't have to wear it for six months, I'm good. I'm happy, right? I'm cool with that. But if our casualness turns into a cavalierness about the word of God, the reality of the kingdom, we're in trouble. And so, being here is actually a part of paying attention to how we pay attention to the word. And if you get mad at me for saying that and leave our church, go to that church faithfully and pay attention to how you pay attention to the word of God. Isaiah 66, 2 says, I will look favorably, this is God speaking, I will look favorably on this kind of person, one who's humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. The second way is the discussion of God's word in community. That's one way that we hear the word of God is to discuss it together because how you hear it and how I hear it might be like a little bit different and like I need to hear how you hear it and you might need to hear how I hear it so that we can begin to understand, oh, there's more to this passage than I've ever seen before. Or you need a place where you can say, I don't understand it. Like, what does that mean? What does that even look like? What, how does that apply to me now? And we need a place to just talk about it. For us at Renaissance, that's, that's our house churches where we intentionally do not uh, have another person stand in front of you and be like, today, point one is blah, 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 right? No, we're, we're going to read a passage and we're just gonna talk about the past. We're gonna talk about what God is showing us from his word. The third way is just getting this in front of your eyes. Personal Bible study. It's, it's the word of the living God. And you may not feel like it first thing in the morning to go and get in your word, right? There, you, might, you might have other things that are pressing on your mind at that moment, but I just wanna, I just wanna encourage you to pay attention to how you pay attention to the word of God. Because this is like bread. That's what Jesus said. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word. There's, there's, there's a tree that needs to grow, and it's going to grow by making sure that we're getting the nutrients that we need. I want to encourage you to get in the word of God, to read this, to wrestle with it. And if it's like a paragraph, and you're like, that's all I can handle. Like, I've got to figure out that paragraph. Then, then read a paragraph. Or if you're like, I'm going to read the Bible, the whole Bible this year, and I'm going to read, you know, four chapters a day. Praise God. Read four chapters a day. It doesn't matter to me. As long as this is getting into your eyes and into your heart. Read until you've read. Amen? And so, friends, Jesus 
has given us an incredible word. And I truly believe that he wants fruitfulness for me and for you. He wants our lives to spread out, to see the, the next generation impacted because of the way that we received the word. And so may we pay attention to how we pay attention to God's word. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.